Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots as well as free returns and exchanges and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead. Take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. We love our children. We protect them. We guide them. We prepare them for life in the world. With all that we do, from deep in our hearts, we cannot control all things. Life-threatening illnesses and disabilities affect far too many of our children each year. While we cannot change the circumstance, we can make dreams come true. Dreams to provide hope, to provide spiritual healing and strength, to provide moments of happiness and relief in the hardest of times. We can give a glimmer of light and hope in a time of darkness and despair. Join huntofalifetime.org to help make dreams come true, to provide hope for children with life-threatening illnesses and disabilities. Hunt of a Lifetime is a nonprofit organization fulfilling dreams for hunting and fishing trips to youth 21 and under with life-threatening illnesses and disabilities. Visit huntofalifetime.org to learn how you can make a difference. Please join me, Game Warden Wayne Saunders, and other Game Wardens on our adventures protecting wildlife, saving lives, and having fun, all while serving the public and the natural resources of our planet. Listen to the tales and experiences of those who work in the outdoors while being entertained with stories about encounters with poachers, wildlife investigation, murder investigation, near-death experiences, search and rescue missions, wildlife interactions from game wardens around the country and around the world. When I retired, I realized I couldn't let go of that legacy, but rather wanted to share the passion, the commitment, and the stories of those men and women that call themselves game wardens. This is Game Warden, Wayne Saunders, and this is Warden's Watch. Warden's Watch, episode 114, Operation The Root of All Evil, Investigation into the World of Illegal Ginseng. On this Warden's Watch, we sit down with investigator Kurt Kiefer for Ohio DNR, and we delve into an operation Ohio did. It was just recently adjudicated the whole case, and there were several uh, press releases that were put out there. Another thing that's timely. So here we go into September, which is prime ginseng picking season, as we are going to learn in this podcast. So keep your eyes and your ears peeled for those ginseng poachers. But before we do that, I guess I was on Audible the other day listening to a book. I queried Warden's Watch and didn't realize I was on Audible as well. So... 
I saw a few reviews there. So if you have Audible and that's how you listen to Warden's Watch, great. I appreciate it. And uh, yeah, if you could throw a few more uh, reviews on there, that would be kind of neat. So I'm going to read these. Uh, One's a couple years old and one's like 10 months ago. So the 10 months ago is by an anonymous user. Best podcast about game wardens and their work they do. That is out there. It's awesome. Thank you very much. So, and this one's from Kevin. Sorry, it's a little little old, but it's two years. Wayne is the best. You can literally feel his passion in every podcast. Keep it up. Thanks, Kevin. I appreciate that. Here we sit down with Kurt Kiefer in Ohio, and we learn all about ginseng. So I think you're going to really like this one. Very different, very uh, informational-based, and what a great investigation into the root of all evil. So share Warden's Watch with your friends. Like minds, listen to like podcast. Appreciate it. Enjoy this one. Brought to you in part by Maine Operation Game Thief, New Hampshire Wildlife Heritage Foundation, International Wildlife Crime Stoppers, and the North American Game Warden Museum. Uh, in this Warden's Watch, we're sitting down with Kurt Kiefer of Ohio DNR. And Kurt is a special investigator for the department. Maybe you're not a special one. I threw that in there. You're special to me, Kirk. So if that isn't in your title, I, I gave it to you. <laughs> I've been called a lot of things, so I'll take special. <laughs> okay, okay. So, But I, I just love when I learn about stuff. And that's one thing podcasting and Warden's Watch certainly has done for me is open my eyes nationwide to a lot of different things that are outside of New Hampshire, outside of New England. And this one, actually, we just did a little search on the map, to, and it was in New England. But we don't license it or regulate it. But it is highly dealt with in some of the areas, including Ohio. So, And what I'm talking about is ginseng. And ginseng is a, and Kurt's going to go into this, but basically it's a plant and people dig up the root for its medical properties. And it's highly sought after and very valuable for sure. Getting into those ends like elvers, when elvers come into value of elvers, and that's the little glass eels that we talk about elvers on the East Coast too. But ginseng's uh, right up there. And Kurt did an investigation that's a pretty interesting investigation that I'm sure you're going to enjoy. And I just asked Kurt the the name of the investigation, and it was just kind of cracked me up. uh, Because investigations always have snazzy names or try to. If you guys remember Ron Olis from uh, Ohio as well, we we talked about the North, North, I want to say North Shore, but it was the North North Coast Coast undercover operation in Ohio too. And this operation, the ginseng operation, is the root of all evil operation. Was that right, Kirk? Yep, root of all evil. The root of all evil, which uh, again the root of the ginseng plant. So snazzy stuff for names, uh, for sure. And I just cracked me up. I was laughing coming into the podcast over the root of all evil. But getting down to ginseng, Kirk, can you talk about ginseng? Uh, Again, my knowledge is pretty limited on this, and maybe some of my listeners are, and maybe some of them are very versed in ginseng. But if you can give us an overall uh, kind of a look at the ginseng, the plant, and its properties. Yeah. I, I like to liken it to, uh, you mentioned Elvers on the East Coast, maybe Abalone on the West Coast, uh, Bear Gallbladders for Montana, mm. um, something something kind of unique that we're responsible for and that we need to protect as a natural resource. You know, one of the things Ohio has is, is ginseng. So we were given the statutory authority for it in 1999. And quite frankly, before that, it wasn't ever really enforced. Ginseng in and of itself is sought after with the Asian community for medicinal purposes. Um, shark fins, similar to, to bear gallbladder. Uh, they believe it holds holds special properties, uh, whether it's a cure-all or for energy or for uh, sexual purposes. Um, that's kind of the market that, that drives the value up. But it just grows wild uh, in the woods. It's a shade species, does not like the sun. Um, the issue with it and what it, why it needs so much protection is it's it's slow growing in ohio it's about five years until it is reproducing on its own and then the only thing that's been documented actually transporting the seeds and moving it is a thrush they'll eat the seed and uh, regurgitate it like an owl pellet 
But other than that, it's just normal wind, water, gravity uh, from the top of a hill to the bottom. And uh, that's how it gets distributed. So it's CITES protected. So it has international protection. It's Appendix 2, which a lot of people know elephant ivory. That would be like Appendix 1 with the most protection. Uh, ginseng is Appendix 2. And mainly that's because of the value placed on it. It, it needs to be regulated uh, because of the value uh, to, to protect it, to keep us from over-harvesting and, in essence, losing it forever. I mentioned value. If on a given year, very market-driven, but on a given year, if you find about 300 ginseng plants, you're going to get 600 to to $1,000. So we're mm. talking pretty good money. Right. And it seems like this... 15 bucks an ounce. The soil, because I mean, doing a little research here, and because I wondered, because I have never run into ginseng in New England, and it, it it's present in all New England states, but it is rare, so and it is protected as well. So that's probably we probably have too few a plants for people to really take it seriously. But it seems like uh, that stretch, you know, Ontario seems to be the biggest producer of it in the world, and that kind of it's that's just above you. So it's kind of a big old strip, and I, I imagine it's you know based on a, a soil property why it grows and grows better uh, in your country. Yeah, it's a, it's actually a fascinating little plant. Um, the seed will take eighteen months to germinate. I'm just getting into some of the plant biology. Um, it's got a layer on it that has to go through a freeze thaw cycle. Mm. So if it produces a berry, it doesn't get poached, and drops that seed, it's a year and a half until it sprouts, and then. Like I said, in Ohio, I imagine it's even longer up in Ontario. It's about five years until that plant's producing its own berries, reproducing. Wow. So it's a definite commitment. Uh, people that have patches that protect them, harvest the you know the cream of the crop off of them for keep going back every year. You know they're de- they're decimated when they go in there and they find out somebody found their patch and 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 took everything. Yeah. No, I can yeah. see where that would. Devastate a whole population, slow growing, very similar to wild animals. You know, it's that's that wildlife cycle that takes time, and when people poach illegally, it it throws off the the management uh, of those species. Hence, it's a long term to recuperate, and it sounds like it's even longer with ginseng. Yes, um, I associate it with theft cases, Mm -hmm. and we went on a. huge information spree with judges, prosecutors, probation officers, other agencies, sister agencies, our own agency, and educated people on this to the point now where if you get caught, you're going to jail, Mm. which the results of of this case, uh, I think we ended up with almost six years of actual jail time served, which around here is unheard of. You know, we kind of targeted the drug crowd, meth and fentanyl epidemic that's going through they, that crowd found out that this stuff's worth money and learning it and stealing it for their drug money. So, mm. And it seems the same with Elvers when there's quick money to be made. It seems like that, that drug culture comes into it to make a quick buck to turn it around and whether they're using drugs or buying drugs or whatever, it seems like the same type of people interact with, you know, quick wildlife gains. Yeah. For sure. Talk about the prongs on a ginseng plant. Well, the prong, like our law specifically states, it must be a three-pronged plant in order to dig it. So uh, what that means is leaf. And then each leaf is actually has five leaflets. So if you see five, five what most people would call leaves, that's one leaf on a ginseng plant. And that's how you can kind of associate with age and the health of the plant. So a one prong, which is a one leaf plant, um, it's going to, you know, it's going to be a relatively young, uh, fresh one. Two, two prong, two leaves, a little bit older, but not to where you can harvest it yet. And then the three or four prong is like a mature, what we call the mommy or daddy plant. That's going to be reproducing and adding to the population. But uh, you probably brought that up because we kind of did a play on words with our operation to where we had different prongs of the investigation. We had three of them. Yeah. I actually had four, but they, they made me stop. <laughs> <laughs> Does a plant normally have four prongs or they can? Yeah, we, you find four prongs. I mean, I, I dabble in the ginseng world. It's, 
it's not uncommon, but it's also not common. Uh huh. Most most of the time, it's three prong. Yeah, but uh, this is an uncommon case too, so it certainly could have gone to the four prong ginseng. Oh, I wanted case. to, but yeah. <laughs> I mean, we we from the jump, from the jump, I begged and pleaded for two years, and and that's what they gave me. If COVID wouldn't have hit, they probably would have let me go just from the success. But yeah, the country more or less shut down, so we were already shutting down anyway. But um, mm. my, my fourth prong, well, the first prong, we sold ginseng, and we did that in a, a group of officers. This was a whole team effort too. This was, this just wasn't the, like the Kirk Kiefer show. Yeah, with the Division of Wildlife and the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service, but uh, we had a core team of people we called prong one that sold ginseng in a covert capacity and then we went in and audited our our dealers basically trying to to find the ginseng that you sold yeah we we purposely used a set amount of ginseng so i and i knew all of our undercover officers names fake names so i could look at all these papers because our program is real heavily based on records so i could Mm -hmm pull out any record at any given time, see our people's names. And then I would look for how much the dealer had reported they bought from them. And I could tell almost instantly, did they add weight to it? Did they change that number? And there's all kinds of reasons why they would do that. But typically they would do that to cover illegal ginseng because you can't export it unless you have a record that you bought it from somebody. Mm. And there's no point in buying ginseng if you're not going to export it, because 98% of all ginseng goes to Hong Kong. Okay. And it kind of gets distributed from there. So um, it was kind of like an audit. We knew how much we sold, and then we, when that paperwork came in, we seen how much they said they bought. Mm-hmm. And then we didn't stop there with prong one. We, we could have, but... Uh, you know me. You've known me long enough now, Wayne. I'm kind of. I don't know. I don't know the right word, but yeah, we always hedge our bets. And I, I, wanna, I, I think that's uh, a lot of undercover game wardens like to hedge their bets, or maybe a lot of undercovers for that matter. You can see. I'm, uh, I'm not. Yeah, I'm not undercover. Um, uh, yeah. I do undercover? I'm. A, I'm more over. Um, You're more of the manager fun. for the undercover operations. Is that? Would that be correct? Uh, well, I. I kind of was for this case. Okay. Um, but I also participated in it. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's, I mean, we could talk about this for weeks. But um, yeah, we could. Now I lost. Where were we? We were on two, prong two. Um, so we were getting into our second prong oh, because you could have left it at prong one, but we didn't. We we're going to go to prong two. The, the next that, step. The dealers that bought ginseng out of season. Mm-hmm. The dealers that we caught changing records. Okay. We didn't stop there. We went back to them and sold to them illegally. That way they had no excuse. That way they couldn't say, oh, I accidentally, I thought I put that on the wrong line or I scribbled in the wrong thing. And that was my paperwork mistake. So we didn't give them that excuse. We went to them and then sold to them illegally. And then so they, you, you they saw a problem initially, and then you wanted to make sure it was a documented problem, that it wasn't a mistake, basically. You, you kind of wanted to give them the benefit of the doubt, so you went and sold them outside the, the buying season I'm taking. so. Yeah, I wouldn't say I wanted to give them the benefit of the doubt. I wanted to take away any of their bullcrap excuses. Gotcha. Because I've seen many people go into court and just lie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so we didn't just get them on a paperwork violation. Right. We went in and actually got them on illegal sales mm-hmm. because that's why they're doing it. Right. They get, but so that gave you an indication to, which guys are doing it and which guys to approach. Yeah, it's hard to explain. And then my my dream for all this was to hit them with warrants on takedown day, which we did, and we took their scales, we took their cash, we took their ginseng because we proved that they're violating our laws. Mm-hmm. Um. So. You know, and we also had to go back in and do that to freshen up the search warrant information because, you know, I mentioned that this was a two year case, but in mm. reality, it was about a year's worth of work because we were starting in July, season starts in September, and by December, we're shut down. Gotcha. So we did two six month stints, mm-hmm. uh, but it covered on the calendar two years. But yeah, this was, I mean, it, I've I always wanted to do this once we started doing ginseng cases. 
they're very hard to make. You need cash instantly. You need a vehicle instantly. You need ginseng instantly. And you can't always have them things, especially when you're running around covering multi-counties for your area responsibility, plus going across the state on, on other different cases and doing trainings and and all that. So we kind of went on a we went on a uh, educational blitz, probably starting back probably about 10 years ago, we started a ginseng training and probably eight years ago and started educating all these people with the, my brainchild was we were going to do this someday because at the time they wouldn't (laughs) let us do do a ginseng operation. Right. Um, Unfortunately, there were some within our ranks that feel since it wasn't a wild animal, we didn't want to really commit that much time. But the reality of what we were seeing was it's the same people that are, uh, violating our game laws are also in this world and plain and simple it's our the statutory authority was given to us so it is our responsibility regardless of what you think but hmm. i'm going down a rabbit hole yeah no and um <laughs> certainly uh money resources uh and i'm sure there are local people that go out and harvest their ginseng and use it themselves so again just like any other wildlife uh for sure it's a a similar thing because i'm sure ginseng is probably in in the appalachian tradition i i I gotta believe it i know numerous people that they rely on ginseng every year to buy their kids birthday presents or buy their christmas um and very good people and and i've had them call me and they're devastated when somebody has found their ginseng because they took they took everything they took the young stuff the one-year-old stuff and in essence they have to start over and i mean they're they're devastated they were stole from right so prong one bought ginseng mm-hmm. or sold sold ginseng. sold ginseng and they bought it so and yeah. then we did a records check to see if they were playing uh games and then was prong yeah. prong two also uh you know, you going and selling illegal. That was the next prong, right? Yeah. Prong two was we had a fake business that we set up. Okay. So part of prong uh, one was going, once once you identified those people that the records were incorrect, then you sold them illegal ginseng outside the, the time frame. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. It involves selling. And it ended up working out really good because we got all these three ring binders of all this, of all the money. Mm. So... Prong one was anything to do with selling. Okay. The core of that was selling or licensed dealers within the state of Ohio. But gotcha. like if I went and did, if I found out there was an illegal buyer, I or somebody, or I would send somebody in to do an illegal sale. Mm-hmm. Um, or if we flipped somebody with prong three, they would go do a sale in prong one. It was just how we kept track of it. But gotcha. um, that, in essence, prong one was selling ginseng. Mm. Prong two was buying ginseng. So we set up a fake business and we had signs made. We had business cards. We had magnets for the side of the trucks. Uh, we had flyers. We had phone numbers. Uh, we used some, uh, you know, a lot of different ways to try to get our word out. But um, mm. we, we, in essence, created a fake business and bought ginseng. And we were able to do that mainly because we jumped on board with the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service. Originally, Joe Wells was the case agent with the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service. We ended up going to Tennessee, so our longtime resident agent in Ohio was uh, Errol Walgamuth. He ended up taking over, or pretty much the the case from then on out, hand-in-hand hand with me. But, yeah, we went and, and, and just bought ginseng. And it was so out of control that the second year, we only bought illegal ginseng. <laughs> just from talking to people on the phone. You know, if it was... September 1st and the phone's ringing all day because everybody wants to know, what are you paying? I didn't have a lot of involvement with prong two. It was one of our other investigators, Joel Buttermeyer, which, you know, Joel, I think mm-hmm. he was in Nashville. Well, actually he was just out in Utah, him and Errol, they kind of took that and just ran with it and did an excellent job, but they would call and say, what are you paying? And they'd say, whatever they'd say, Hey, do you have any dry? Well, you can't sell dry until the 16th of September because you can't dry in a day. It takes a couple of weeks to dry. Gotcha. And they'd be like, yeah, I got dry. So they'd be like, well, we need dry for an, for an order we got to get out. Like, we want your dry. So they would <laughs> set up a sale 
and go buy it illegally. Um, that's a 16-day window, though. That's, that, that's a lot of business in 16 days. Yeah, but I mean, but it's like in the ginseng world, it's so clear that then people dug out of season because mm-hmm. there's no way you can have dry ginseng on September 1st. Yep. To a lay person, somebody sitting sitting in their car listening to this, they're thinking, oh, well, they're just playing with two weeks on the calendar. It's, it's bigger than in the ginseng world. If you have dry ginseng on September 1st, you were part of the problem. Mm. Like, there's no way you can do that. The way you dry it. I mean, some people could put it in the oven or put it in the dehyd- dehydrator, but the best way and the preferred way is just to naturally let some airflow on it, separate it and let it dry slow. And, and that takes about two weeks. Hmm. So, and they did a lot of out of season sales too. You know, they would run around, hang flyers for people to call them and they would run into people that would have ginseng in their pocket and they'd buy it from. Them. Hmm. So we added them to the list. And, um, on takedown day, we kept our phone numbers active. We were setting up sales of ginseng the day of the takedown and had people bringing us illegal ginseng to sell us in different parking lots. And we didn't even have officers to contact them because <laughs> we ended up using, I think, 82 commissioned officers wow. in the state of Ohio for our takedown day. Another big operation and, in Ohio. <laughs> and Joel, Joel's going crazy because he's like, there's another one. And it's like, tell them where to meet. We'll find somebody. Like, <laughs> Yeah. So that was pretty crazy. But yeah, prong two was we bought ginseng. Mm-hmm. And then prong three is when we made ginseng cases, uh, we got really good in Ohio at making ginseng cases. We would flip the people, allow them an opportunity to work work for us for a reduced sentence. And, you know, we we did that with prosecutors and, and the courts, all with approval in, in our administration. There's actually a lot of work to it, but mm-hmm. we kind of ran the process and, and had it ready to go, which was always one of the problems originally with ginseng enforcement was signing somebody up as a, we call them cooperating private individual. Our agency didn't do it a lot for some reason, and we were really missing the boat. Mm. So we did that, and it worked. It worked like a charm. So we were executing search warrants hitting drug houses and all kinds of stuff during the two years. We didn't save all them for our takedown. Our takedown, more or less, with prong one and prong two. We were continuing to make the prong three cases through that two years, part of what we were calling the operation. But yeah, we we got into a death investigation. We got into, like I said, people with meth, trading meth for ginseng. We didn't go hit them houses. We, we let drug task force officers go hit them, you know, blow the, blow the doors off the houses and stuff with search warrants um, <laughs> so outside our privy, but we'd go with them. Yeah. But we'd stay outside. Oh, uh, we did GPS warrants. Uh, we did GPS tracking warrants. We'd smack them on some people's cars and, and follow them across the countryside, trying to figure out who their legal buyer was. We had under welfare fraud, just, I mean, you name it. And it, it kind of bloomed into it. But mm. It was, it was pretty crazy investigation. Yeah. God bless my wife. I mean, I, I worked, it, it was nonstop for them to, well, for six months of them, two years. Six months just, for two years. So pretty much a nonstop. year out of two, you were working yeah, total ginseng going, from sunrise to sunset. Any, yeah, anything ginseng across the state was coming to me and I was trying <laughs> to either handle it myself or divvy out. And, and then we went into six different states. You know, I was, I did a lot of that where we would go into other states and do covert sales that were all illegal, whether it was Pennsylvania, West Virginia, whatever. Uh, Joel did one for me in Indiana just because I didn't want to drive that far. (laughs) He was closer. He played me in Indiana. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Kentucky, Virginia, New York. So these other states got some cases out of it as well. No, we did them federally. Okay. So the feds took all of that. We did an actual federal search warrant in West Virginia. There was a TV show on the History Channel a couple years, uh, well, for two seasons. It was called Appalachian Outlaws. Mm -hmm. Um, One of the people that was on that show got caught up in this investigation, and I actually sold to him in an undercover capacity three years. And, yeah, we did a federal search warrant on his place. Hmm. Nope, that sounds good. Actually, just recently... 
uh, sentenced like a couple weeks ago. Hmm. Appalachian Outlaws. So that must have been moonshine, ginseng, poaching, all kinds yep, of stuff. All ginseng. All ginseng. Oh, it was all ginseng. Yep. Whole wow. show was about ginseng. Hmm. Interesting, for sure. From it the other side. It actually brought a lot of people out of the woodwork for a couple of years because people didn't realize how much money was into it. But uh, a lot, lot of agencies think it, it created problems, but I think it actually helped because we had already been on this information blitz with the dream of doing this operation. Mm-hmm. years but a lot of people would catch these people and they had no idea what they were doing because they'd say oh you know i'm looking for my dog be mm. like well it's the middle of august like who the heck would be walking through the woods it's full of spider webs it's hot mm-hmm. it's humid i guess they're looking for their dog well after that tv show people were like i bet they're stealing ginseng mm. and then they would actually call us so i think it helped and then trail cameras after that TV show, we started getting a lot of trail cameras from people, somebody carrying a matic, a digging tool um, yep. on the trail camera. Prior to that show, then people would have never thought ginseng. Right. Thought, oh, somebody that walking through the woods. Well, no, they're digging ginseng. Mm-hmm. So I think it helped personally. Well, I think anytime you can educate the public on, you know, the crimes that are going in the woods, that's helpful because uh, you're right. They know a lot of them don't pay attention to it. Uh, I will say when hunting season rolls around, they pay attention a little more, but those poachers outside of the the hunting seasons don't get as much attention because, yeah, they're walking their dog or something like that. So to to expand that with ginseng ginseng is great. Now, I, I don't think you can ever give enough information to people, especially if they're interested in it. The Appalachian Outlaws sounds like a pretty cool little show. It was, it was a neat show. Uh, they, I mean, they TV'd it up. Mm-hmm. They would talk like they about do everything. Prices. <laughs> They'd be talking about dry ginseng prices, but they were actually showing green ginseng. So, gotcha. Uh, real quick fact about that. It's about one to three or one to four. It would take three pounds or four pounds of green wet ginseng to equal one pound of dry. Wow. So they would show a small couple handfuls, but then they would they would refer to it on TV as a dry price, which was kind of playing with people, but um, mm-hmm. it seemed more important than it was. But and I, I'm I don't sure the dry price that. is much higher than a green price. Yeah, three to four times higher. Yeah, and <laughs> but will other they, than that, I mean, will they, they buy a green and then so the guys are just diggering it? They're not having to do that themselves. Dry? Yeah, they will. The green is more uh, Korean preferred. Okay. The dry is more. Like a China culture preferred. It's all about the yin and the yang. Yeah. Balance. Um, it's kind of it kind of that belief. They feel that, that ginseng brings them that balance they need. Huh. In in that culture. Does it occur naturally in Asian countries? Yes, but they have they have kind of decimated their populations. Gotcha. Which created the supply and the demand. That's exactly Which, why I asked that question. Brain. So, yeah. A, they had to have knowledge of it, but you're right. That's exactly, of course, that's what happened to their bears, too. And Why they want all our box turtles. Yeah. That's a big thing, right? Don't you get a box any... turtle. Oh, you get a box turtle from Ohio over to Hong Kong right now, and you're probably, it probably cost them $1,000 or something crazy. Just, mm-hmm. they, they want them as pets, and, and it's sad. It's mm-hmm. sad what we're trying to combat. It is. It is for sure. But part of that is education to, again, the general public when they see somebody stop along the roadside to grab a turtle and throws it in the truck. And, you know, they're thinking, oh, yeah, they, they're going to take that home for a pet or something. But no, they're actually going to sell that turtle illegally and it's going to get shipped to, you know, another country and sold for multiple months. So, again, bringing that up certainly helps. So, for sure. Yeah, we've talked about turtles on the Warden's Watch show before. Carlos Gomez uh, did a did a really good case with turtles that he talks about in his episode. Yeah. So the three prongs of ginseng. We uh, and help me with this. So we we you sold ginseng, you bought ginseng, you flipped ginseng informants. So we'll call them. I I forget the technical nicety thing but they're informants basically so those are the three prongs of the ginseng yep it was trying to look at my trying to get to my results <laughs> well uh, the, the investigation ran from 2018 to 2020 and spanned 21 ohio counties 
resulted in 110 defendants. 110. Uh, Just think about that, managing that. Being charged with 259 violations. Charges included the illegal harvest of ginseng, falsification or failure to keep ginseng records, illegal purchase of ginseng, harvest of ginseng without permission, as well as manufacture, possession, and sale of illicit drugs. So again, that drug culture came right into this ginseng. Yeah, it's a a massive, massive, massive case. Incredible, those numbers that you were able to... uh, (laughs) It's incredible just, you know, the intricacy of this case and the commercialization of this. So again, I think it's good that we put that out there, that this is going on and it could be going on next door to somebody for sure. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, Hmm. The jail time was one of the things that, that I was really proud of just knowing I'm in kind of Appalachian, Ohio, Southeast Ohio, and all our jails are full. We'll have regional jails. So they may cover six or seven different counties. Well, there's only so many beds for each County. Mm Mm-hmm. A lot of times we pick up people with warrants and there's no room to take them to jail. So we have to cut them loose. Um, Mm. But we actually got almost six years of jail time served out of this case. Um, We had almost 8,000 days ordered in, let's see, about 5,000 days were suspended. But we had 2,068 days that were actually served and then a bunch of money. Yeah, we, we were at about hundred thousand dollars, all said and done, between what was uh, forfeited through cash seizures and then fines. If you add in the court costs, we're over a hundred thousand up to yeah. twenty thousand. Gin ginseng is Which big is pretty, business, you know for sure. Yeah, I mean, when you break it, seventy six thousand dollars in fine, twenty one thousand dollars in court fees, two hundred and sixty eight days served in jail. That this is big criminal business. For sure. I agree. We're, we're pretty proud, the whole team. Uh, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention Jay Obley. He was kind of our supervisor that was over, um, had grown up where he works, used to, when he was in the field, made his own ginseng cases, understands it, understands the people, mm. and was a great support through the case administratively. And then, and obviously, the the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service. You know, they gave us a couple vehicles. They took the money side of things, nice. which is a job in and of itself. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you got to account for every penny. Yeah, and, and they're I wired. Forget. They're wired for that when things go over the borders. That's that's their job. That as it spills out of our states and crosses those borders. That's certainly the job of the U.S. Fish and Wildlife and their agents, and they're very good at it. Just to appreciate that when it goes outside of our jurisdiction or our reach and it, it gets frustrating to us, but I think they get excited about it that now they're into a case that, that expands into their jurisdiction. Yep. Um, and then we use some, we started with some ginseng out of Missouri that, uh, was from a case there. I think we started with now, granted we had free inventory to get started, but, I think it was like $16,000 is what we started with. And mm. we ended with like a hundred and $120,000 or something crazy is what we ended with. Yeah. Um, so that was how much money we made by doing illegal activities. Yeah. Um, obviously that is, we didn't make it, but um, mm-hmm. that'll be distributed back out. But if someone who is, was illegally doing this, that's certainly the, the, yeah. the money that they can make and the money that's available in this illegal uh, world of ginseng. Yeah, and for somebody in one of these 19 states that's listening that wants to start a ginseng operation, we may have some ginseng you can get started with. <laughs> it's dry. Our evidence. Just saying, <laughs> get a hold of me. Kirk Kiefer, Division of Wildlife. Oh. And, uh, I'll, give you, I'll give you our our whole investigation. and We need to do this in all 19 states, in all, in all honesty. But mm-hmm. I'm, I'm only in Ohio, so. Right. You, you took a, a bite out of crime in Ohio, for sure, on the ginseng realm. And this, uh, you know, maybe the first time we're going to hear from Kurt Kiefer, but uh, it's not the last time because we've already got another podcast canned. That means ready to go in the podcast world. But uh, certainly got that. And Kurt, you know, maybe a rundown of your expertise because you, you've got some, uh, certainly some tenure with Ohio and have pulled off some other cases as well. So usually we start that at the beginning, but I'm going to end it 
bit because it's going to probably roll into uh, so they'll remember you in the next case when we open it up. Oh, geez. I got 20 years experience. I did five years in, as a uniformed officer. Started out in the northwest part of the state. I'm really from Indiana. By the way, I tested for New Hampshire. I don't know if I ever told you that. Yeah, you did tell me. I'm sorry. We, we made a mistake um, there. <laughs> but it worked out like, for you. <laughs> I was like 21 years old. There was one position. I drove up there three times. It was the best skiing I ever had when I was up there. Though. Yeah, you were just like me. We were traveling to get the job. We were, we'd go anywhere. So I, I tested yeah, I in. I would have went there. I tested in Indiana. I, I never tested, I don't think, in Ohio. Indiana and Wisconsin is the two uh, those states right in there that I tested in for sure. Or never made it to yeah, Ohio. I've been, a, I've been a wildlife investigator for 15 years. We used to be assigned to districts, but here within the last like two years, we're now in a SIU unit, which is a statewide investigative unit. Our numbers have been really cut. So I was always playing catch up, but I'm really playing catch up now. Yeah, I just, I mean, I've been involved with anything from deer trafficking to poaching groups to big pollutions to death investigations to ginseng cases i I always find these little niches like i got this <laughs> ginseng niche i run a, a week-long training for our for our officers for trapping trapping academy we call it or mm. fur bear enforcement school uh used to be on our waterfowl enforcement team uh just ran out of time for that done a little bit of everything and a jack of all trades, master of none. Uh, I think you just described most game wardens because it's just yep. it's just part of us, and it's so great to have expertise uh, around like yours for sure. That the trapping, uh, like you, you mentioned, the waterfowl, because not everybody is proficient as others. So take those talents that are within your agency and exploit them for sure. So you can share that knowledge with others. And I think of a lot of the trapping coming in, I trapped as a kid, but how many game wardens coming in, new hires have ever trapped or been exposed to trapping? Uh, I know our school, the White Mountains Community College is part of their program. They have to take their trapper education and get certified uh, as a trapper. So they're exposed to that. But not a lot of new hires are exposed to that. So I think that is really great that you can do that because you really have to either get on the same level as the illegal uh, trapper hunter to understand them. Some of us grew up in and around that, so we understand it better. But we need to expose our new hires to things like that. And I'm sure some of the things you go over in trapping is what they'll do illegally and the little tricks of the trade just like you do with ginseng. Yep. Oh yeah. Yeah. We, uh, we spend a whole week. We overnight everybody for the week and we start from scratch from preparing and adjusting traps to catching to skinning. And then we have all kinds of little parts where you switch instructors for the day and you have to find other people's traps. And hmm. um, we have breakout sessions with illegal sets and traps and uh, we make, make some some stuff like colony traps it's it's pretty it's pretty cool yeah no it sounds really cool but you you mentioned something you said it's worth mentioning again every state when it comes to game wardens has multiple people just like you or i that are just phenomenal officers well i hope i'm a phenomenal officer but game wardens are they're they're just a, a unique breed and I think part of the success of this ginseng case was I got to kind of pick who I wanted, knowing how they are, and and that just set it up to succeed. Uh, it was it was just neat, just mm -hmm. letting these guys go, and uh, guys and gals, and watching just the cases be made over and over again. Because we got in Ohio, we got we got great state officers, and I can't. I used to, I used to not associate with a lot of officers across the state just because anytime the word covert is brought up everybody thinks it's kind of got to be secret stuff mm -hmm. kind of switch tactics on that and it has worked out phenomenal and we set this case up to where everybody knew about it uh, mm. we blasted out an email that anything ginseng was supposed to come to me and you know we didn't tell people where we were going to be buying who was buying when we were buying for obvious safety reasons but our officers knew this was going on and it just worked out really well because if they got a ginseng complaint they knew we were working on it and they wanted to be part of it and they were 
I remember through the two years, you know, everybody saying, when's the takedown? When's the takedown? When's the takedown? Because <laughs> we were getting the information from people and, and making cases and keeping them in the loop. And we were using them for cover officers. And it just, I, it really taught me a lesson that for safety reasons, there is stuff that needs to be kept quiet. But just because it involves some covert stuff, it does not have to be it's like super secret type, mm-hmm. type information. Giving a little bit, we we received a lot. So that was that was one one weird thing with that case. I was no, that's that's about. a good lesson learned because I I know through my tenure when there was an undercover thing, you you didn't know about it. You know that was like kind of the thing and that kind of pissed off some game wardens too that there was undercover operations going within their area that they had no clue about until the final takedown and it just uh it rubbed people the wrong way yeah and i've seen that and 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 that's true um because a lot of people you know it's not it's not a job it's not a career it's it's a lifestyle and Mm. Somebody really puts their claws into the county they live in. Yeah. The county you take it personal. <laughs> in the county that they raise their family in. Yep. You take it personal when uh, the poacher yeah. takes that the, there's actually that problem in your area. And then when it's it's addressed uh, by a different means than you, I think you take it personal. And I think if you were just aware of it, I think that takes the sting out of it, so to speak. And like you said, may produce more information in the long run. Yeah. So, but that's a fine line. Mm-hmm. It's not a popular, it's not a popular belief, but yeah. I mean, I, I have learned to associate, I know officers from across the country that do uh, similar to my job, that do full-time covert work, that do uniform work. And mm-hmm. it's, I think that's starting to spread across the country. What we were just talking about, uh, it's starting to be a little bit more mm-hmm. open yeah. and more work. Uh, and I know it worked really well for us. That's all right. I can say. So in some, you know, some states don't even have a position like yours. I know my state doesn't, but I, boy, I can see the value in it, especially now with some big cases that are getting uh, uniformed officers just quagmired because they are so big. And that's what they're spending all of their time on is, you know, large cases that, and a lot of it's just management of all the information and keeping everything straight. And it's, uh, it can be massive. uh, And that's what a good investigator, A, would would be handy for, just like in this case. Yep. Yep. You mentioned North Coast earlier. Um, Yeah. One of the the main guys in that was, was one of my dudes. So... You know, I've I've been on the flip side of 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 another officer's operation. Yeah, and that's another podcast I did with Ohio Ron Olis uh, about the North Coast operation. That was what they named that operation. Uh, it had deer, it had fish, it had yeah. It was a uh, it was pretty. Okay. You you guys have done some really big operations, and one reason we're doing this podcast again, it's timely. It's come out into the press, hasn't it, Kirk? Yes. Yep. Yep. Uh, we just finally did our news release on it. We got everybody through court. And then also ginseng season is going to be coming up. So I always try to get something out annually right before ginseng season just to remind everybody we're watching and call us if you catch somebody. Yeah. And that's why this podcast will be right in the beginning of ginseng season. So again, timely, timely press release, wrapping up the case, uh, talking about the case, the three prongs of ginseng. I'm never going to forget that now, Kirk. Uh, uh, maybe the occasional four, but uh, that's rare. So, <laughs> Yeah, my, my fourth prong was going to be flip the dealers that we caught. Mm, to get the, the them, big buyers. Have them, yeah, have them work for us for a couple of years. Um, yeah. It just compounded everything. But yeah, we, and it was probably the right call, especially with COVID. But um, Yeah, COVID put the, the brakes on a lot of stuff. Including undercover yeah, for, operations. For, yeah, for other states, I I got a training. We've been doing a training probably since 2015. Nice. Uh, we got training that we put together, and like I said, this was always a brainchild to do this case, and it got tweaked through the years. It got denied through the years, so I was always able to make adjustments to it. Mm-hmm. But was started with the ginseng training by getting our people educated about it. We started inviting judges, prosecutors, probation officers, police department, sheriff's office, state patrol. We started inviting all of them to where they were working for us. They'd get somebody with ginseng, they'd call us, 
and it ended up working out really well. So like mm. I say, this operation started in 2015 by providing trainings. Right. And then we were finally granted the permission to, to start it. I think we started September 16th, which we got a late start and our takedown date, but that would have been 2018. And then, uh, we got our, uh, our takedown day was September 10th of 2022. So almost two years on the calendar mm. where we actually ran it. Yeah. Six days, six days short of two years. Mm-hmm. And then all the time to go through the court system. So here we are today for sure. Yeah. The federal court, we still have one that's pending. Mm. Federal court is, especially after the COVID, it was, it was always extended amount of time to begin with, but. Right. Very cool. So, so just remember the defendants in this case paid a combination of $76,178 in fines. Court fees were $21,633.05, plus uh, $20,871.68 cash was forfeited. So, and the courts ordered a total of 796 days of jail time. 2,068 days were served. Uh, The rest was suspended. That is pretty impressive. And additional penalties included probation, community service, lifetime suspension for dealing in ginseng, and suspensions for digging ginseng. So basically, they lost their ginseng privileges. That's a, that's a pretty impressive result from a very long-term uh, case. So it's going to be very rewarding to all those officers that work that case for sure. Yep. They should all be very proud, even if they had just involvement during the takedown, because we couldn't have done it without them. Mm-hmm. I mean, everybody, everybody contributed. It was a good team effort. Yeah. I was proud of them. Yeah, as you should have been, as you should have been. And uh, I really appreciate you joining uh, Warden's Watch to, A, bring this uh, issue into the public eye. So when they see people out there with shovels in September, they, they know what they're they're looking for um, and can pass that information along, whether it's legal or illegal. It's, it's just, it's good to know what's going on in the woods for us, I, I think, for sure. Yep. So, I agree. Kurt Kiefer, investigator, Ohio DNR. Thanks for being on Warden's Watch and talking about ginseng. Thank you, Wayne. Please join me, Game Warden Wayne Saunders, and other Game Wardens on our adventures protecting wildlife, saving lives, and having fun, all while serving the public and the natural resources of our planet. Listen to the tales and experiences of those who work in the outdoors while being entertained with stories about encounters with poachers, wildlife investigation, murder investigation, near-death experiences, search and rescue missions, wildlife interactions from game wardens around the country and around the world. When I retired, I realized I couldn't let go of that legacy, but rather wanted to share the passion, the commitment, and the stories of those men and women that call themselves game wardens. This is Game Warden, Wayne Saunders, and this is Warden's Watch.